Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, having a conversation with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I want to thank those of you who take time to either email me or call me or come up to me at a conference where I'm speaking and talk with me about what you're learning on the podcast. That kind of personal response is very encouraging. So thank you for the time you're devoting to listening to this podcast. And also, thank you for taking the time to let me know how it helps you. I enjoy making this podcast because I know that it does make a difference in the lives of those who listen and put into practice some of these insights into ministry leadership. Now, today I want to talk about a theme or an idea or a topic which might seem a little hard to conceptualize in the beginning, but as we move into it, I think you'll see how practical it is to understand this issue as you work to give the best organizational leadership possible. I want to talk today about the difference between movements and institutions, and not just the difference between them, but how to learn to manage the tension that exists between these two uh, extremes, if you will, of organizational life, and how learning to navigate and influence how we see our organization or how our organization behaves in any particular circumstance really is an essential part of good ministry leadership. So today, let's talk about movements and institutions, analyzing what they are, understanding the tension that exists between them, and then learning how to manage an organization appropriately and to lead it effectively so that we take advantage of both the best of being a movement and the best of being an institution. Now, as we begin, I want you to imagine a continuum, if you will. That's a line that's drawn with something on each end. And on the one end of that line, put the word movement. And on the other end of that line, put the word institution. So we have movement on one side and institution on the other, and a line drawn connecting these two words. This forms a continuum. Now, imagine on that line, if you will, an arrow that's a sliding arrow that you can move back and forth down the line, meaning that you can change the location of the arrow on the continuum, indicating that there's more emphasis on the movement side or sliding it the other way, more emphasis on the institution side. Oh, how we wish this were a video blog today so that you could see what I'm doing with my hands right now. As I have in front of me this line drawn between the words movement and institution, and then on that line, this sliding arrow, if you will, that provides the capacity to move the emphasis back and forth, sometimes sliding it over toward movement, sometimes sliding it over toward institution. Now, with that picture in mind of that continuum, let's now analyze the difference between movements and institutions. I'm going to give you this in four categories. So if you're taking notes, you might just draw a simple diagram with two columns, one column labeled movement and one column labeled institution. And we're going to talk about some qualities that define each of these as they contrast with one another. So first, A movement is a spontaneous collaboration of people, a spontaneous collaboration of people. It's people coming together to get something done. So, for example, a car breaks down in an intersection. 
and three or four people open their car doors, pile out, run across, and all simultaneously begin to push that broken vehicle out of the intersection. That's definitely a movement. That's a spontaneous collaboration of people to get something done. Now, an institution, on the other hand, is an organized group of people. The same car breaks down. But this time, instead of four different cars opening and people piling out and rushing into the intersection and spontaneously pushing the car out of the way, no, this time, someone organizes the effort. The first thing they do is they decide the qualities that are necessary for car pushers before they can be selected. And then they create perhaps organizational structure and maybe even some training manuals about how to get this done. And then, of course, they're going to call an insurance company and find out if they've got everyone insured before they let them exert themselves by pushing on the vehicle. And then they're going to make doubly sure that the vehicle they're pushing, they have legal permission to push it. So they might even ask for a written release to do the same. That's an institution. That's an organized group of people. Now, obviously, this silly illustration I'm using is a extremes kind of illustration, but it helps you to see the difference. Movements, spontaneous collaboration of people. Institutions, organized groups of people. Now, let's move to the second quality. A movement focuses on accomplishing greater good outside the needs of the members. A movement focuses on accomplishing the greater good outside the needs of the members. In other words, people come together in a movement not to do something for themselves, but to do something for others. So, for example, a natural disaster takes place, and there's an immediate spontaneous collaboration of people coming together to clean up and to make things better and to serve the food and to take care of the needs to meet the needs of the people who've been harmed, not to meet the needs of the people who are doing the caregiving and the cleaning, but to meet the needs of those who've been injured or harmed by the storm. So a movement focuses on not the needs of the members, but the needs of people outside the group, outside the members. An institution, on the other hand, the systems and processes are mostly designed to sustain the organization. And so rules are put into place. Manuals are drawn up. uh, Policies are developed. Efforts are expended, not so much to meet the needs of outsiders, but instead to facilitate and strengthen and maintain the institution or the organization itself. All right. Here's the third difference between movements and institutions. Movements have limited policies and procedures, and layers of decision-making. Movements just show up to get the job done. Limited policies, limited procedures, limited layers of decision-making. It doesn't take long to get something done in a movement. Let's just make it happen. But institutions, on the other hand, thrive on policies and procedures and manuals and check and balance decision-making designed to limit risk. Now, institutions love policy manuals. They love procedure outlines. They love check and balance decision-making where people have to have meetings and have discussions and have dialogues and take votes and get certifications and do all the things necessary 
to maintain the institution. And then finally, a movement is characterized by a sense of urgency. It's something fresh. It's something new. It's something that needs to get done now. An institution, on the other hand, is stable. Survival is usually no longer an issue. But remembering the mission for which the institution originally started is an ever-present challenge. Now, let's review. What are the qualities of a, of a movement? Spontaneous collaboration of people, accomplishing some greater good outside the needs of the members or of the organization. A movement has limited policies, procedures, and layers of decision-making. And finally, a movement is characterized by a sense of urgency. It's fresh, it's new, it's now, it's immediate. An institution, on the other hand, is an organized group of people. Systems and process are mostly designed to sustain the organization or to sustain the institution. Institutions thrive on policies and procedures and manuals and check and balance decision-making, and they're stable. They're not really concerned about their survival, but they have a difficult time remembering their mission. Now, you might be listening to this description and think, well, who would ever want to be a part of an institution? We'd only want to be part of movements. Well, that's really a short-sighted view of organizational health. Most organizations start as movements, but if they're going to last, they fairly quickly have to take on some of the qualities of an institution. So while organizations are usually start as movements, if they're going to be sustained, they have to take on at least some of the forms of an institution. Now let's think about some of the obvious examples in ministry leadership. When you plant a new church, it's definitely a movement. It's often a spontaneous coming together of people who are really focused on meeting the needs of others, usually the unchurched or the unsaved. It has limited policies and procedures and layers of decision-making. Everyone just gets together and usually in just a very few minutes hashes out whatever needs to be done, and on we go. And it definitely is characterized by a sense of urgency about getting the job done. Now, I'm currently participating with my wife, Anne, in helping to launch another new church. We are on the planting team of City Connect Church that will soon be meeting in Fontana, California. We are excited about this. And when we go to the meetings, they are definitely movement meetings. It's a spontaneous coming together of a small group of people that are focusing on meeting the needs of the community that we're trying to reach with the gospel. We don't have any policies and procedures or even layers of decision-making. We just get together and decide stuff and keep the process moving. And we definitely have a sense of urgency, not only urgency motivated by the gospel and by the lostness of the community we're trying to reach, but also just an urgency of getting something done that will have vitality and life and survivability as we go forward. But, but we can't stay a movement forever. Most churches, if they're successful, start taking on some of the forms of an institution in order to give themselves the stability they need going forward. And so as churches get larger, 
They have to put into place some systems and processes that are actually designed to sustain the organization. And these might range from anything uh, from new member orientation and training to new member assimilation. They might range to uh, training workers and placing people on a volunteer team to get the work done of the church. Might even go so far as to include creating personnel manual or personnel procedures and policy manuals and decision making structures and things like that that definitely serve the institution. So, new churches start as movements, but if they're successful, they soon have to start taking on some of the form of an institution in order to have the stability and the strength, the skeletal foundation, if you will, upon which they can continue to grow and get stronger. Now, let's think about it outside the context of a church and move this same idea into another ministry area. Let's think about the seminary. That's a good example of a ministry organization as opposed to a ministry church. The seminary here at Gateway started definitely as a movement. It was a spontaneous collaboration of two pastors and uh, their churches that came together to meet the needs of people who needed ministerial training here in northern in uh, in in California, particularly northern California at that time. And at the beginning, they didn't have a lot of policies and procedures or anything like that. They just had an urgency to get the job done. Well, now here we are, almost eighty years later, and Gateway has definitely become an institution. We're, still in a, we're now very much an organized group of people. We have systems and processes in place. We have policies and procedures and manuals and a give-and-take kind of shared governance decision-making, and our survival is really not an issue any longer. Instead, instead, our challenge is keeping our focus off institutional preservation as if that were our mission and keeping ourselves focused on our true mission of shaping leaders who expand God's kingdom around the world. So this is a good example of what I mean when I say that a movement becomes an institution and if not careful, can become so much of an institution that it begins to be counterproductive to its overall health. Which leads us then to this idea, back to the continuum that I started with at the beginning of the podcast, to this idea that as organizational leaders, we have to be willing to move the slide, if you will, on our scale toward movement when we need it to be, toward institution when we need it to be, and then maintaining both a healthy balance, a healthy tension, and also a healthy intentionality about making choices of where to slide that guide on the continuum. Here's what I mean practically. There are times as a leader that you must force your organization to be more of a movement and resist the fossilizing impulses of institutionalization to an extreme. Pushing your your organization away from self-preservation and the creating of policies and procedures only designed to sustain yourself, not meet your the needs of people around you or fulfill the mission for which you were created. There's times when, as an organizational leader, you have to push back toward being more of a movement. But there's also times when you have to help a movement 
by pushing it more toward being an institution. For example, uh, I often talk to church planters who say, well, we don't have membership. We just believe that whoever comes is who God wants, and we just want people to come and hear the gospel and be a part of our church and enjoy the fellowship and be, a, be participate in the worship. And I'm like, okay, I get all that. That's movement language and movement thinking. But eventually, you're going to have to take a vote on something to decide who's going to be the pastor or who's going to spend the money or what the doctrine's going to be, somebody's going to decide that. And you don't want just anyone deciding that. You want the members deciding that. Oh, well, if they're going to be members, there's going to have to be a membership policy and perhaps even a membership process. Might even lead to a membership training. These are definitely aspects of what it means to be an institution. Now, developing these things doesn't preclude maintaining some of the best qualities of being a movement, but it also demands that we create this kind of institutional structure needed to preserve and facilitate the movement. So I'm advocating today that both movement and institution are good and vital and healthy aspects of what it means to be a good organization. If you are pushed too far to the extreme of movement or too far to the extreme of institution, either one can be a destructive extreme. If you are too far to the extreme of being a movement, you will find yourself in chaos, disorganization, a lot of uncertainty, people not being sure of what's happening and when and why and where. But if you find yourself pushed too far to the institutional side, you choke out mission, you choke out vitality, innovation, creativity, you limit change, and you find yourselves only existing to exist. Existing to exist, not accomplishing your mission. Wise leaders Avoid these extremes, recognize the value of both movements and institutions, and learn skills for moving the needle on the continuum so that you can move your organization toward movement when that's the healthiest choice, toward institution when that's the healthiest choice. You can make your institution healthier by managing the tension between movement and institution effectively. Now, generally speaking, generally speaking, most Christian churches and Christian organizations, after a while, often find themselves drifting more toward being institutions and less toward being movements. And church planting accepted And mostly, leaders need to learn the skills of pushing away from the extreme of institutionalization and more toward maintaining the vitality of a movement. Now, as I said, church planting, that's an exception. There are some other ministerial and organizational exceptions, I'm sure. But after watching Christian churches and organizations for about 40 years, it seems to me 
that the greater uh, struggle is not in pushing to the extreme of being a movement. It's being pushed to the extreme of being an institution. So let me give you, to close out the podcast today, five suggestions for helping your church or your organization become more of a movement if you're struggling with too much institutionalization. First, model the movement, manage the institution. Model the movement, manage the institution. For example, here at Gateway Seminary, when I preach, when I speak, when I'm in front of our employees, in front of our students, I'm constantly talking about the mission of our school. When I do things in public that typify the ministry that God has given me and God has given our school, I preach, I teach, I evangelize, I disciple. I do things in modeling which typify the mission for which Gateway Seminary exists. But as a leader, I'm also responsible to manage the institution. So that means that I have weekly executive leadership team meetings. That means I have uh, seasonal budget development sessions. That means I have uh, accreditation reports to review and to help write. It means I have institutional policy that has to be considered and reconsidered and clarified. All of that stuff has to be done. But I do not model or magnify managing the institution. I don't talk a lot about the kinds of things I just mentioned, budgets and policies and accreditation standards and other kinds of issues that are part of my job, but that are part of managing the institution. So step one in becoming more of a movement and less of an institution is this. Model the movement. Magnify the movement. But manage the institution. Take care privately and quietly, but effectively, what needs to be done, but keep it out of the limelight. A second thing you can do is to encourage, coach, challenge your team to constantly be open to new approaches. Encourage, coach, and challenge your team to be open to new approaches. Now, this means that you yourself have to be open to new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things. This helps everyone understand that there's no fixed way that everything has to be done from now until the end of time, but instead you're open to encouraging and coaching, trying new approaches. I think about a recent meeting I was here at Gateway and someone brought up an idea and I said, you know, we've, we've actually talked about this before. Now, I've been at Gateway for almost 20 years, and so we've talked about a lot of things before. I said, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, and here's how we agreed to solve the problem. And then everyone kind of nodded their head like, oh, okay, I guess that's final. But then I ended that by saying, but you know, that was a few years ago. I'm open to rethinking how we're handling this. I, I'm willing to take a new look at it. I want to have a fresh approach if one's needed. You see, that's moving from institution to movement. Institutions say, no, we got that settled. That's finalized. 
We're not considering that anymore. That's done. It's a policy. But movements say, okay, we've done that before. We've considered that problem. We've solved it. We've even written a policy about it. But that was three years ago. Let's rethink it. Let's have a new look at it. Let's focus once again and see if there's anything new that we need to consider in how we're going to go forward. That's pushing the continuum away from institution toward movement. A a third thing you can do is be a historian of your organization and from time to time remind people in your organization of when you were a movement, of when you did something that really was about the mission and really cut through all the layers of bureaucracy that institutions can create and really focused on just getting the job done. You know, every organization has these moments in its history when it really was on mission and it really did fulfill that which it was created to do. Tell those stories. Uh, be a historian of your organization and learn the, the lore, if you will, and work those stories into your presentations, into your, uh, in, in, into your speeches, into your messages, so that you remind people that, yes, We're an institution today as a church or as an organization. We've come to have systems and processes and policies and procedures, and we get all that. But at our heart, we're still a movement focused on the needs of others, focusing on accomplishing our mission, getting our job done, and that's our bottom line. And remember these examples of when we did that and what it looked like. Here's another suggestion to move your organization more toward movement and less toward institution. And that is celebrate missional progress more than institutional preservation. Now, institutional preservation is important. And as a leader, part of your task is to work to make sure that happens. Get that done, but don't celebrate it too much. Instead, celebrate the missional progress aspects of what you're accomplishing and how you're getting it done. So, for example, here at Gateway, I'm much more likely to tell the story of an evangelism verbatim that came to me from one of our evangelism professors who heard this remarkable testimony of a student leading the person to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of our evangelism classes. I'm much more likely to tell that story in one of my speeches than to tell the story of how we got our last accreditation report certified. Now, one of those is certainly important for institutional preservation. But the other one, the other story about a student winning a person to faith in Jesus Christ and about how our evangelism classes facilitated that happening, now that story celebrates the mission of Gateway Seminary and what we're really all about. So celebrate missional progress more than you magnify, celebrate, or promote institutional preservation. And then finally, finally, to lead your organization to be more of a movement and less of an institution, make sure that you personally are modeling commitment to your mission. Don't allow yourself to become a religious bureaucrat. Don't allow yourself to become someone whose only function is to maintain the status quo of all that is and to make sure that nothing ever upsets the boat, so to speak, of what you're trying to accomplish. 
Don't do that. Instead, be a model of mission accomplishment, mission focus, and let what percolates out of your life and what spills over into the lives of others because they're around you, let those things be what's at the core of your mission. When you get around me, for example, it won't be long before I'll be telling you about uh, the church we're helping to plant, the ministry that we're helping to lead, the person that we've recently shared the gospel with. Those are the things that I talk about a lot. I don't spend a lot of time talking about how we rewrote an academic policy or how we, how we fix something in relationship to a, a governmental program or governmental requirement. All that stuff is about institutional preservation. And yes, it has to be done. But what I want spilling over out of me as the leader is mission, mission, mission. And that leads us to be more of a movement and less of an institution. Well, today on the podcast, we've talked about the contrast between movements and institutions. We've drawn a continuum between the two. And we've said that both of them are good. Extremes on both ends of the continuum need to be avoided. And wise leaders know how to move that sliding dial back and forth where sometimes we push our organization to be more of a movement and other times we push our organization to be more of an institution. And wisdom is required to know when to do which. I've also said that many Christian organizations and churches have drifted too far toward becoming institutions and left that sense of being a movement somewhere behind. And for us to push our organizations back toward being more of a movement and less of an institution, there are some specific things we can do like modeling the movement, coaching new approaches, remembering when we were a movement and talking about those stories, celebrating missional progress, and finally, personally, modeling and demonstrating what it means to be fulfilling the mission for which your institution first started as a movement. Think about these things, put them into practice. Do it this week as you lead on.